You're listening to Run With The Bulls, a podcast discussing a unique approach to everyday finance with everyday people. Run With The Bulls is sponsored by Mentoro, a financial wellness company. Now, your hosts, author Danny Kofke and the royalty of financial wellness, Whitney Queen. Welcome to Run With The Bulls. My name is Danny Kofke and I'm a motivational mentor with Mentoro. I'm joined by the president of Mentoro, Whitney Queen. Hey, Whit. Hey, Danny, and hello to everyone listening. So you can probably guess from our little skit that in this episode, we are going to discuss those times when the markets are dropping and the future doesn't seem so promising. Right. And especially when the stock market is down and all we hear is doom and gloom from many media outlets. And to help us out, we have brought in a special guest, Caleb Tucker from Merit Financial Advisors. Caleb, thank you so much for being on and helping us out with this scary topic. Hey, Danny and Whitney. It's great to be here, and I'm really excited to share with all of your listeners why you shouldn't listen to the media and pull the fire alarm anytime the stock market drops. Great. We are so glad to have you. Before jumping into this, can you let us know a little bit more about yourself? Absolutely. So I'm the Director of Portfolio Strategy at Merit Financial Advisors. So we focus on building allocation models for clients and um, really coming up with the uh, the investment ideas that we want to pursue and, and giving the best advice on how to, to invest clients money. Wow. That, that is so impressive. And, you know, since we are discussing the stock market, let's take a little time to revisit what it means to invest. So, and this is kind of basic, but my definition, when I look at investing, it's saying no to things I want today or right now so that I have more options and I have money in the future. How about you, Whit? Well, we've talked about this before, and I often kind of lean towards the overarching concept of safety and security. But to me, it's putting something aside, um, whether it's for the future, for an emergency, just a little nest egg for protection. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I almost have a more broad definition of investing. Well, I, I would hope so. I think, <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's very broad. I, I think the when I think of investing, I think we're investing all the time just about everything we do. So a lot of times it's money, um, mm-hmm. but we also invest our time in a lot mm-hmm. of things. We're investing time now in doing this podcast. Um, so I, I always think about it as kind of an allocation of your resources. We've all got finite resources, whether it's finite amounts of time, finite, finite amounts of money. Um, and when we invest, we're making decisions on how we allocate that resource. So when it comes to money, uh, the, the Starbucks that I stopped and picked up on the way in here, it was a five or you know, now maybe it's $10 <laughs> investment into a, a coffee that made me happy in that moment. Mm-hmm. But we can also think about it in, in you know, bigger terms that are more impactful in that we can make long-term investments that have potential payoffs at the end, if that's investing in the stock market or bond market, um, or investments in things like a house or uh-huh. you know a, an asset that's more durable. So... But again, that's where I, I say my, my definition is broad. Yeah. It's, it's buying a house. It's investing in the stock market. It's also buying coffee. We, ch- we choose how we allocate those limited resources that we have. I love that. I think that's um, a really good way to look at it because sometimes it feels um, very money specific. 
and and like you're giving away your money, but really to your point where we're allocating all of our resources and ourselves right. all day, every day. Right. And, you know, if you go back to school, you're investing money probably, but, but time as well into uh, getting some expected return from that education. Mm-hmm. Right. So that time investment matters and it can actually have an impact on your financial future too. Mm-hmm. Right. There you have it, folks. The difference between an elementary ed degree, a marketing degree, and someone getting an MBA from Duke. So there we go. We're good. There's the investment of your time, right? So um, so you mentioned it. When it does come to investing, we kind of have two types. We talk about it here. We have short-term and long-term. So in short-term, it you know something that's coming up, I look at it within like five years. I mean, it could be that Starbucks coffee you stopped by. That's very short-term. Could be a house. You know, for me, I have a, a my oldest is in college. So if you years ago, we knew, okay, she's going to be going to college. So shorter term. We also have long term. And Whitney, I'll let you kind of, you want to kind of, you know, dictate what that is. Yeah, absolutely. So like the name implies, these are for things coming up a a good deal into the future, right? So we say long term investment should be at least five years away and include things like saving for retirement and college expenses. Since these investments are longer term, money can be saved in riskier places like stocks and bonds, since we have the time on our side. So Caleb, are we kind of on track with our thinking here? Yeah, I think so. And I think you mentioned time at the end of your, your comment with me. Like that's a huge asset that, that if you have it on your side, it, it does give you more flexibility to, to invest with a longer term mindset. So a lot of times these shorter fluctuations in the market, short term dislocations or mm-hmm. crazy headlines that come up that really rile people up. It, it makes the markets go crazy and, and causes fear and concern. If you've got time on your side, it's a lot easier to, to push past those. And, and you really have to try to focus on that longer term goal. But that's, uh, it's a huge ask. Is that, I'm just kind of curious from your point of view, is that a good time reference? Do you think like five years and less is kind of considered short term and five or more is long? Is I, I that- think so. The, and honestly, the way I look at it is if, if you have a, a really short term thing, something you're going to do in a year or less, mm-hmm. buy a house in a year, buy a car, something like that. And that's when you, you, you're really short term, obviously. And you really got to think about, hey, I don't think I should take a lot of risks with this money because I might need it now. Right. Now or in a few months. Once you get past five years, I think you obviously have a, a little bit more flexibility there. There's more time. Um, and I've always told people, you know, I think once you get past 10 years, like if, if we're talking retirement planning, mm-hmm. especially, that's usually where that 10 year number makes more sense. Um, I've certainly got more than 10 years before I retire. So. Good so news, can, Rick. He's around a little bit longer. <laughs> so, so thinking very long term there, but you know, when you when you push past ten years, I mean, you've got real flexibility, you, you, right? You know, because you, you, your timeline is going to get you through multiple market cycles, mm-hmm. probably. Uh, you know, cycles of the market going up for an extended period of time, but also including cycles where the market might go, might go down, right? Um, for a, a shorter time frame, but you've got ultimate flexibility, especially once you get past ten years. But sure, um, yeah, that's how. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the short term, you're not worried about earning that 0.001 interest because it's something that you need the money for, you know, you need the money for in a very short period of time. It's a risk reward right. kind of equation, right? Mm-hmm. Is it worth risking the money to potentially earn six or 7% when you know that if you don't have it in right. three months, right. that or you could lose 20%. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Right. If, if, if 20% of the money goes away and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden oh, I can't buy the house that I thought I was going to buy, right. that, that risk reward payoff has yep. to be, I think, how you would. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm already feeling better about the topic because I'm loving this comparison between time and investments versus amount 
and investments because mm-hmm. oftentimes that's how we equate it is mm-hmm. what's the amount that I can invest versus really looking at that short term versus long term and weighing that you know, around yeah. risk. It's a good point. And I've seen those things before. Like if you start, they show it. Like if you start at age 25 and you invest like $2,000 for five years and you quit at 30, then someone else starts at age 35, they do it the rest of their lives. And if, I mean, there's different interest rates and stuff, but it does right. a lot of times show the, the younger you start, <laughs> the more money you're going to have right. because mm-hmm. you have more time. And even, I mean, little things that you do early on can really add up to, even from a behavioral standpoint, I mm. think, you know, it, it's like I've, I've told friends, I mean, I, I even did this when I was earlier on in my career where I had to make myself send, I don't know what it was, you know, $50 or something in, into an investment account. Mm-hmm. And it, no, it didn't grow to a million dollars in 10 years because right. it's a small amount of money. But that behavioral aspect of building that into yes. what I did mm-hmm. made a big difference. And I could tell before I did that, I wasn't saving as much. Right. Once I started doing it, uh, and again, it didn't have to be a huge amount of money. It just it burned into my creating mind. a habit. Yeah, yeah. The habit was formed. Yep. And and it does. And the the neat thing about it is, over time, even those small amounts can actually still add up. Yes. And, sure. You know, it's hard to see it. We're humans. We we're so focused on here and now. We have this uh, a bias towards recency mm-hmm. and this recency bias that. Uh, makes us focus on things that happened most recently. So we have a tendency to see what's happening in the last month, the last year. Um, and it, it gets hard for us to think about 10 years from now what this will look like. Right. As oh, yeah. you get 10 years down the road and you can look back on it, you, you know, obviously it's easier to see it. But we, as humans, it's just not natural, I think, for us right. to think like that. Well, and especially yeah. now with the advent of phones and having everything so instantaneous, right. like we we live in the here and now, most of you, us. You, used to, you know, if, if you watch, uh, you, you know, shorts or a TikTok or something, you, you get the beginning of the video and the end all within like two minutes. Right. right? <laughs> but with investing, yeah, you, you good get point. the beginning and it's just this... It's a long process. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, you can't afford to be myopic. You you have right. to look to the future and plan for yeah. the future. So now that we know the difference between investing for both the short and long term, after the break, we're going to discuss the history of the stock market and how you can use it as a guide for when things get scary. Connect with us on social media. Search at Mentoro Group on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Welcome back. We're being joined today by Caleb Tucker from Merit Financial Advisors. So Caleb, when discussing the stock market, we often hear financial analysts or even the news networks, they talk about the S&P and the Dow. So what do these mean and how are they related to the stocks? Yeah, it's, I think it's a, a great question because this is, you know, in the, in the financial world, it's full of jargon and things that maybe make things sound more complicated when it doesn't yeah. have to. Right. Uh, or it just, you know, there's a lot of these questions. So the S&P 500 and the Dow are, at a basic level, they're just market indices. So they're used mm-hmm. to approximate what the, the overall market is and okay. what it's doing. So the S&P 500 is the 500 largest U.S. companies listed on the public exchanges. All right. So it's 500 companies. And the idea is, if you look at how they perform together, uh, you get a pretty good sense of what the overall market is doing, maybe how the economy is doing. and and things like that. So okay. it's, it's used to kind of give you a, a reference point. Okay. And that's why they get talked about so much. Um, on the flip side, you mentioned the Dow. I think it's interesting that you mentioned the Dow because the Dow was the preeminent index for a long time. It's the Dow Jones Industrial Average is the full name. Right. And because earlier on in our economy, in, in the 
the earlier days of the stock market, our economy was very industrialized. Uh-huh. So these, it's 30 companies, and these 30 industrial companies really dominated what the economy was. Okay. Now, what's interesting is over time, that's shifted. Right now, Google is not an industrial titan. Right. It's Apple. You, you know, they're, the, the economy is a little bit different now. And uh, so it's 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 worthwhile to, to know the difference between the two sometimes. So can a company be in the Dow and also in the S&P? Is it? it yes. Okay. It could be. So okay. they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Uh-huh. Um, but okay. the S&P is a little, it's just a little bit more comprehensive. Another one that you'll hear mentioned pretty frequently is the NASDAQ. And that's tech, which, right? Which is primarily tech. Companies. Okay. So it's not exclusively tech, but I mean, for the most part, it's tech. So, okay. Um, it's, it's good to know what these are. I think when it comes to investing, mm-hmm. I think they're going to get talked about all the time. Okay. And, uh, but they're just, they're good reference points for you. And a lot of times if, if you want to gauge how a, a given investment is doing, you might benchmark it to one of these indices. Okay. So like, has this, has this stock performed better than the S and P or worse? Okay. You know, and, and sometimes people will use do that kind of comparison. Okay. So basically just like an average of how, like to, to your point, what the U.S. economy is doing. So right. not, okay. So yeah. just for people to understand if, if they see that, if it's up, then usually the economy is doing good. If it's down, then it may not be so hot. For it is, It's interesting that you, you mentioned that, that too. And I, I know I kind of went into it, the economy and, and these indices and kind of uh-huh. get an idea of how the market is doing in the economy. A lot of times and over the long term, they do move together, right? If, as, as the, Economy grows and we have economic growth. The stock market does go up. So if you look back or the the history of the S and P five hundred, mm-hmm. that holds true. The interesting thing is in these short term swings and cycles, sometimes that's not always the case. Uh, the stock market can actually be taking off, right? And the economy maybe isn't doing so hot. This happened in twenty twenty in COVID because of all the stimulus. The stock market took off. We saw that's unemployment right. over ten percent. Right. That's right. Clearly not good. And that was a challenge for a lot of people from the the overall economy. But the stock market didn't reflect that. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, it's just interesting. Sometimes these things do get a little dislocated. But in general, over long time frames, that's how I look at them. Okay. Very interesting. Thanks so much for clarifying the terms for us. So... um, here on the show, we like to quiz. It's usually Danny quizzing me and making me look like she was a know. class president, so she usually aces it. I will say. <laughs> uh huh. So we're gonna put you through a little quiz, Caleb. Do you know the average annual growth for both the Dow and the S and P five hundred? So I can hedge my answer here a little bit. Okay, <laughs> I like myself it. some uh, some leeway <laughs> yes. because I can say that time frame probably matters here. So mm-hmm. if we're talking over the entire history of the S&P 500, I, I think the 10 to 11% ballpark okay. um, is where I, I'd land. The, the Dow, you know, honestly, I follow the S&P 500 more than I would the Dow, so I'm not... Uh, and why I, is I, that? Because more 500 because bigger? Because it's a bigger index. Okay. Yeah, because okay. I, I think it does a better job of approximating the overall market mm-hmm. now than the Dow okay. probably does. I would, but I'm going to throw a guess at you from the Dow, and I'm assuming we're talking the entire history of it. I, I'm going to say it's a little bit lower than the S&P 500 and say 9%. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, b- very close on this. I mean, because it changes, you know, obviously month to month it changes, but right. so the S&P, the inception was actually 1928 and through December 31st, 2021, it was 11.82%. So almost 12%. And the return average annual roll of the Dow is around 8%. 
So, so yeah, yeah. very, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so pretty close. And, and uh, again, time frame always, always matters there. So I'm, I'm going to say that's why I could have been, sure. you know, a little off there. Yeah. Well, let me ask you too. So, so I just said that. So, you know, I can say, okay, the, the Dow will go with, or we'll go with S&P 500 since it's been around longer. So 11.82% a year. Does that mean I can think if I invest in an S&P 500 index fund this year, it's going to earn 12% a year? That's a great question. And it doesn't mean that. It, okay. it is an average, right? right? So we're working this long time frame, and on average, that's the return that investors would have received in the S and P five hundred if if they were able to invest directly in that since nineteen twenty eight, basically since nineteen twenty eight. Okay, right? like, but it is an average, and some years we're going to have great years in the market, like you know it's up twenty percent, right? And that's when things are you know humming along, everything's. Mm-hmm. Uh, the outlook is positive. Everybody's excited about what's going on from a business and economic standpoint. But there are going to be years in there where, of course, that doesn't happen. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we experienced one of these last year in, in 2022 right. where, where the market was actually negative. Um, 07, 08, 09. I remember it was down a lot. Right. Right. So, so the, this is where we, we talked about time earlier. Time yes. really matters because – over a long time period, and like we've talked about with the S and P 500, this really long time frame where it's averaged over 11 percent a year in return. That's if you've got time. That's how you really capture the benefit of that. But in a shorter time frame, if if your time frame is a lot shorter and that one year happens, you know you can experience some, you know, some actual losses in a given year. But over the long term. We expect these kind of market trends to persist. Right. Well, and you know, it makes me feel really good just looking at this about my investments when I think of, you know, the SP 500. So average is almost 12% growth a year. And I think that, you know, from 1928. So you think about those things that happen during that time. We had World War II, you know, you had Pearl Harbor, you had Vietnam War, we had 9 11. I mean, I can go through all these bad things that happened in the economy probably the day after took 20, 25% nose. I mean, after 9 11, I don't, I mean, it was bad. Mm But you can just look at the past and be like, you know what? We went through some crazy things and it still averaged 12%. So back yeah. to your point, if you have the time on your side, we can withstand those crazy things that we have no control over like COVID, right? But right. be rest assured that, you know what? If we stick with it, time has said, can't guarantee it's going to happen in the future. If we could, this podcast studio would probably be in the middle of the Caribbean and it would be very, very <laughs> nice, right? Yeah, but but, but yeah. we can look at the past and be like, okay, this is what the way it's performed in the past through really, really crazy events mm-hmm. and kind of think, okay, maybe it should do the same in the future. I think two things on top of that. I think, you know, one, I'm learning, you know, more and more that we've got to fight myopia with patience so that we can withstand these things. And two, really using these averages as more of um, a projection to help level set our expectations over time um, mm-hmm. versus just winging it and, you know, betting on a hope and a prayer that it's all going to pan out for you, you know? Right. So, yes, very interesting. So this is why we would need to have both short and long-term savings. Let's say you're saving for something coming up in three years. If you invested this money in just stocks, the market could be down over this time frame and you would not have that money available, right. right? I mean, you just mentioned, Caleb, that you know last year was bad with COVID, right? So let's just say I know my daughter's going to college, and I invested her college savings in the stock market. I was going to lose what my initial investment was, and then I'd have less money, but I knew that event was coming up 
kind of soon. So, right. you know, that is to, to your point. And we know we have some a major event coming up. It needs to be safety. We're, we're looking for safety, whereas the long term, we just mentioned, you know, the, the growth of it. And then, you know, since we're, we're going to talk about saving for the long term. So we've got our short term savings, you know, set aside. So we can wait out market drops. And when it comes to the stock market, and this is where I'm going to call in the expert, Caleb. So we have, may have heard the term, oh, it's a bear market or it's a bull market. What do these mean? So the, the technical definition of a bear market would be a, a, when the stock market declines more than 20% from its recent high. So we did enter a bear market in 2022. We had a, a bear market in 2020 when COVID okay. uh, really came to the forefront here. You know, it was right. it's funny. The COVID thing was interesting because you had it was already happening in Asia, and then it just happened so fast once it got yes. stateside, and, and our markets entered a bear market really quickly. But um, then they rise back up shortly then, after. Yeah, it was. Then, yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. A month or so later, you, you know, markets right. back at, at where they were, which is that's uh, that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> right. Hour about that, but. Yeah, so technically, that's what a, a bear market is—a a twenty percent decline from, from all a, high. Could it be a one-day high? Uh, we it would it would really be over a longer time frame. So, like, if the market, like, I'm just curious. Like, let's just say the market today dropped twenty percent from where it was yesterday. Would that be considered a bear? Yeah. Yeah, it would, it be. would be okay. So, um, and and the same thing on on the bull market side. Technically, and it, to me, this is a little less of a. There's less of a de- well-defined technical definition, but a lot of times people say if, if the market is up 20% from a recent low, you're you're in a bull market. Okay. Um, but, you know, these are technical definitions. Really, you're going to hear these terms thrown around all the time. You know, if, if the market's down 5% this week, people are going to talk about a bear market. Or uh-huh. you know, the bears are coming out. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. With, with bull, you know, if the market rips higher for a couple of weeks, you'll probably hear people say we've had a a bull market over these last two weeks. Even it may not have been up 20%, but it's... Okay. So you just think, I guess, to help people, a bear, I look at like it's sleeping. So like it's kind of going down a bull, is jumping. I mean, it's kind of... That's interesting. That's kind of the way I've, I've thought of it. Yeah, but... You know, that's elementary ed degree. I, you know, and I, I wish I, I wish I'd researched the history of why bear is more negative and uh-huh. bulls the, the positive right. market. I, I don't actually know the the historical answer right. to it. I'm sure there is one. Sure. Um I can do this in here. They could probably get cut. But, you know, the, the, there's these the, – they say on Wall Street, you've got the bulls and the bears and the pigs, and the pigs always get slaughtered. <laughs> so uh, that's, you know, the pigs are the uninformed, you mm-hmm. know, crazy, you know, people that do stupid things. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Like the guy we were talking about that just had the three – invested in Enron, yes, invested in, in invested FTX. In, yeah. Enron uh, – Made off in FTX, right? Yeah, like so he'd be a pig, and I mean, like a pig, right? Yes, okay. Uh, but the, there, you've got the bulls and the bears and the pigs, and the pigs get slaughtered. Huh. So, very interesting. That's, there very, you go. Learn something new every day. Well, and you touched on something a second ago. You, you're going to hear people say, or you know, when the trend starts to move a certain direction, people start talking, and that leads me to the news outlets and the media, and a motto that we say quite often: "If it bleeds, it leads." Therefore, many times we hear stories of the doom and gloom, like referenced in our opening skit. Mm-hmm. So did you know that out of the last 92 years of market history, bear markets have comprised only about 20, I guess technically 20.6 of those years? 
So to put it in another way, stocks have been on the rise 78% of the time. Right. And I bet your favorite morning news program didn't point that out. So, I mean, we know like it, it sells. We, we're going for the headlines. Um, so now that we know the stock market increases the majority of the time, we're going to discuss what that means for you. After the break, a look at how you should invest for the long term. Like what you're hearing on Run With The Bulls? Ready to start your financial journey? Visit MyMentoro.com and use organization code RUNWITHTHEBULLS to set up your free account today. And we are back. Once again, we are being joined by Caleb Tucker of Merit Financial Advisors. So Caleb, we just discussed how the stock market goes up a more majority of the time. However, here at Mentoro, we know how big a role behavior plays when it comes to how we manage our finances. It can be extremely difficult to continue to, to continue saving for the long term when we are being bombarded with messages saying the stock market is crashing, we're in a bear market, we're going to lose everything, right? Yep. So on top of that, some are so fearful of investing that they don't even know where to begin. I mean, you hear about mattress money and all these things that people tend to gravitate towards. So, Caleb, I'm curious, can you give us some general information about that yeah. and how people could get started? Yeah, I, I think we touched on it a little bit earlier even mm -hmm. in talking about the starting small. I mean, mm -hmm. Doing any kind of small step in that right direction can help build that the right habit, build in the right behaviors to kind of start pushing you in the in the right direction. So I think that's important. You, you know, even if it's a small amount of money, mm -hmm. doing a little bit matters probably more than you might realize in a short time frame. Right. The other thing I'd say is I think a lot of times investing feels like it has to be complicated and, and it, it feels like, you, you know, it's, you either need a ton of money to do it or, you know, it's so complicated. I can't figure it out or, you know, I, I'm going to have a million things to do. But, but in reality, I think, uh, for a lot of people just getting started, you can, if you take those small steps and start investing, you know, as best as you can, you know, on a consistent basis, mm -hmm. you can buy some low cost index funds or, or, or things, you know, and, and you don't even have to buy 20 of them. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you can be doing this in a pretty straightforward kind of simplified way that, that I think can, can help you get started. And, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I am. I'm thinking about compliance. I know, right? <laughs> um, well, like I said, well, and, you know, I think the easiest thing for most, and we'll say just you younger people that are just starting maybe your first job, most companies already have a 401k plan, or if you're in a nonprofit, a 403b mm -hmm. plan set up. All you have to do is visit your HR department. You can basically check a box. These, you know, I want my investments. We could do it very safe. I mean, and most plans have an advisor you can meet with. Of course, we'd want you to sit down and talk. But if you're just, you know, scared of the market going up and down, you can invest in a very low risk plan, get that habit begun, and you just check it one time. And then every single month, the money goes out. You've created that habit and you yeah. don't have to do anything else. One action in your life, you could be set for the rest of your life and you That's, create that habit. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that is an easy way to get it going. And usually, you know, these your employer is is trying to do a good thing and, and have a good setup for their employees to do this. Right. So, so they, it, in essence, a lot of a lot of times the barriers to investing have been reduced and, and made a little bit easier. I also make a good point too, Danny. I think you know if we've talked a lot about the uh, bull markets and bear markets. We've mentioned how some of these headlines can sound scary and and things like that. If if you are concerned about the volatility, you don't have to invest in a way that opens you up to the volatility. Mm -hmm. There are other things you can do. 
you know, if, if even if you do have a long time frame, but you say, you know, but me personally, I'm just not, I can't stomach it if I see my account lose money. Right. You know, I, I can't, if it goes down 10%, it's going to stress me out. Mm-hmm. You know? And some people are like that. And that's fine. Right. And if that's you, that's okay. Yep. You can invest in a way in which you can prevent those things or, or just be, you know, you, you can be more mindful of the yes. risk that you take. Right. And, and again, invest in a way that doesn't open you up to as much risk and volatility. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, and even nowadays, you can invest in funds that are more like for what your causes are about, that are more, envi- right. I mean, like you can invest in so many different things. But yes, I love that, you know, most workplaces, first off, have it. But then secondly, too, with the 401k plan, many workplaces offer a match as well. So you're getting free money. And, and some offer, say, up to 5% match. Right. You're getting 5% free. So even if the market was down 5%, you're still coming up because it's a free match. So I think it's just, but for me, for the the person that's just starting out, because it can be confusing. You're like, oh, what do I pick? I mean, most workplaces already have it figured out for you. They already have things to invest in certain funds and you can get started. But I love that point of just creating the habit to do so, because once you do that, then it just becomes easier over time. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think um, another good point that you made in that is, um, or at least what I took from it is a lot of times if it's not retirement related or something like that, that you're kind of preconditioned to want to look towards, if you want to do something outside of that, you feel as though you have to have gone through this life event. Like I came into this big sum of money or, you know, I just sold my house and now I have this big sum of money. It's either that or it's the complete opposite of that of like, I'm going to day trade and just like kind of fiddle (laughs) fart around. Right, right, right. So I think that's another good point Mm -hmm. that you bring up is like, it's just that small sum of money that you can start with. Test the waters if you're nervous and see how you feel about it. And you can always expand from there. So, yes. Yeah. Just yeah. wanted to point Absolutely. that out. Yeah. So how about uh, we're kind of hitting on younger, um, our younger members. How about people that maybe we'll say like are 15, 20 years away for retirement? What kind of advice would you give to them? And then obviously you want to yeah. stick with it and create those habits, but maybe it comes to like paying off some of that debt, not having a mortgage. So some of the things like that. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a, it's a great question because this, it is a different kind of mindset once you get to that point. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one of the things that I think is so important that's easy to miss is, uh, I don't know if you've heard the saying, a, a well-defined problem is already half solved. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when I think about this retirement question, and let's say I'm 15 years away from retirement, mm-hmm. we're at a point then where you can start to think about what does my retirement look like? What might it look like? And again, I mean, you've still got some runway there, right? but as, as it gets closer, you know, you're probably getting to a point where maybe you can start to visualize it a little bit more. You know, you know what your current spending levels are mm-hmm. for you right now. You have an idea of maybe what you want to do if you want to travel a lot or if you, you want to move somewhere when you retire. You know, I mean, I think as you get closer, some of these things start to become come a little bit more into focus. Sure. Hopefully. Yeah. And, and You're not think, 21. Like you can at right. least see the finish line. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think as you get closer to being able to see it, you know, when you can put more define more of what you want that to look like, that can be the first step that you need. This to start planning better for it because mm-hmm. if, you know if you if you just want to say well I just hope I I save this much money before I retire and you don't attach anything to it right what does that mean yeah it, it doesn't <laughs> right it doesn't hold any weight you know and it's not something you can plan around you can try to get to a certain number but you don't know how long that'll last you or mm-hmm. what you you know what you need to do to hit that target and hit your goals so I think it's really important to start defining what your goals are. Um, once you start to get closer and you can see that finish. Yes. Once you've done that, then it does get more important to think through your your investments and making sure that they they're matching up with what that goal is. I think you know I mentioned uh, before 
if you've got more than 10 years, you know, you're the, the world is really your oyster. You can invest as aggressively as you want to. In sure. General, you know, right. I mean, there's limits to everything, right? <laughs> of course. You, know, you, of don't, course. Need, you don't need to go, right. go crazy, but, but you can, you can be a lot more aggressive, but as you, as you get closer to that 10 year mark and then really when you start pushing through there and, and you're getting closer to retirement and potentially needing these assets, you know, you're on that kind of final approach to mm-hmm. land the plane of, of your career on retirement. Right. And, and you can start to maybe position your investments in a way that puts you in a good position to have the funds you need when you retire. We talk yes. about the short-term side of things, right? If, if, you, if you get to where retirement's a year out. Right. That is short-term. Sudden, all of a sudden, you're, you're in that, those investments need yes. to change. You need to know that, hey, I'm going to need this amount of money from my retirement accounts next year. So I don't want those dollars to, to move. I don't want them to right. lose 20% next year. So, right. so I think that's when it becomes more critical to define your goals. And then you can, once they're defined, you can start to plan your investments around what those goals are. What I really loved what you just said to me was defining your goals. Um, you know, at the beginning of their career, it's almost like we're Scrooge McDuck with all the gold coins. So we're just, why are we hoarding all this money? But I love like, what is retirement going to look like? You know, if I want to travel to Europe every year, then I'm probably going to need a little bit more than if I just want to go fishing every day. Yeah, I mean, but I think it's it's personal then. It becomes, what do you want your retirement yeah. to look like? Not what is you, your, because your advisor obviously is going to try to help you earn as much money. That's a given. So you may not need to be as risky because your retirement may just be watching Judge Judy every day. I mean, who knows? (laughs) Fair (laughs) enough. One thing that we're kind of dancing around here is the topic of risk tolerance, Mm -hmm. which, um, you know, if you are just starting out or even if like, you know, let's say you're just really now getting focused for the first time because you're getting closer to retirement, having an understanding of if you do prefer things that are a bit more risky or a bit more conservative would be really helpful. A way I like to look at that instead of risk tolerance, because it's really hard for me to measure how risky I want to be is what's my loss aversion. So like, what am I willing to lose in order to gain? Um, So that's something that I would encourage people to look into and ask themselves questions as they're defining those goals. I love those big words. See that right there is the class president. That's that's it. The loss aversion. I mean, she's, a good pool. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Anyway, <laughs> roll time. Um, <laughs> um, so one thing that I hear a lot about as an employer, and and we hear a lot about in the discussions that we have with HR managers is um, target date funds. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is is another one of those things gets overcomplicated, and it's really pretty simple. So can you give us an explanation as to what what those are? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think. Uh, like you mentioned, I mean, there, there are simple ways to invest and, and you can make it more complicated if you want to, but target date funds by themselves might actually sound like something that's complicated. But in reality, right. I think they can be useful tools to really simplify things for investors. They're designed to give you a target date. So let's, so it's 2023 now. Let's mm-hmm. say, let's say we buy a 2020, 2040 target date. Okay. So 17 years. So we're saying it's, all right, 17 years. So what that fund is going to do is it's going to invest in a way in which it gets more conservative as it approaches that. So when you say conservative, instead of stocks, we would invest in bonds, cash, right? Okay. Maybe even some cash, cash like investments. So so earlier on, when there's a long time before you hit that target date, it'll be more aggressive, invested in stocks. Mm -hmm. But yeah, over time, it will automatically adjust and move move down the, the risk spectrum right. and, and invest a little bit more conservatively. Now, the neat thing about that is if I'm the investor and I say, hey, I don't, 
I don't want things to be complicated. I don't want to have to figure out which funds to buy and, and what the risk level should be. Um, I just want to be able to kind of set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't completely forget it. I, I would never <laughs> advocate completely forgetting your right. investments. But you want to be able to set it and, and let it go and do its thing. Target date funds can be a great way to do that. Okay. You can you invest in the, in the fund. The fund will hand it, handle the risk mm-hmm. in the portfolio, and it'll adjust it for you over time as you get closer to that that end yep. time frame, whatever that. Right. Be. So I a lot of people our- mid career, I guess. You got to get the kids to soccer. You got to get dinner on the table. You got all these things going on. It's like, oh, I don't. Well, I think um, in our retirement plan, our record keeper refers to that as cruise control. So Mm -hmm. like you don't want to take your eyes off the road, but you you want to take your foot off the pedal a little bit and and let the car do what it's supposed to do. So, yeah, I think that that could be an easy way. And then I guess as you get closer to the destination, you take it off cruise control and then you kind of take a look at it. And you start to break. And I don't don't have one, but I think the autopilot in cars now, you know, if you do turn it on, I I understand that the way it works is it would – if you – It'll check, and if it, if you haven't moved the steering wheel at all in a few minutes, it'll start to to vibrate mm-hmm. just to make sure that you're still uh-huh. paying attention. Wouldn't yeah. you know? She has so, newer car. I I, I don't yeah. have I don't have the fancy my, my ride. Have, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> my car doesn't have it. You look like you knew what he was saying. I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm reading all the stuff about Tesla right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're almost there. And Caleb, this is probably going to be the most important question we can ask this whole interview. So here at Mentor, sometimes we we like to dive down a few rabbit holes. So what's your favorite conspiracy theory? That's a great rabbit hole. <laughs> we could spend hours we on could, that. We could. We could. You know, I think... That so to be finance-related. Yeah, it could be whatever. Just, actually, I don't even know if I have a finance-related one. Okay. But I do, I, maybe I, the first two that come to mind, one is sports-related, but uh, it's about the Patriots and how the NFL maybe deleted all the Spygate tapes. Okay. I like so, it. Uh-huh. I couldn't see how bad they were actually cheating. Okay. As a Miami Dolphin fan, I, I, I'm well, with you. That's see, a good... I, I like that one. I don't even... <laughs> it's probably not true. But... <laughs> I, I like it because I'm an, an Atlanta guy, okay. and, and I had to see the, the Falcons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 24-0. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that Super Bowl. Yeah. So I, I like to believe that it was fraudulent. Yes, mm-hmm. you agree. The league There's, was working I mean, against us. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Guys, yeah, you know? I'm with you. So um, I, I guess that's that's that'd be one for me. If, if I had to pick my favorite, maybe it'd be that one. I also, I'm a big history guy. I like Especially, I think the Cold War era and that the mm. World War II era, and then the Cold War era immediately after that, is just full of weird stuff. Yeah, weird conspiracy uh-huh. ideas. There's one I don't know if you'd be familiar with it, the but Ernest Hemingway potentially being a Russian spy or a double agent. Yes. Huh. Um, and and I I believe this is actually factual that the KGB did have a file on on Ernest Hemingway. So they there was at least attempts on the, the Soviet side to recruit him. Whether or not Interesting. So next time you read Old Man in the Sea, you yeah, may think a little right, differently, yeah, right? Yeah. So anyway, I think there's 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 stuff on both sides. Okay. Whether it could have been a double-agent situation or not. That's so interesting. I'm a huge history fan myself. Mm-hmm. But you think about that era in particular, we had just enough technology and sophistication to where we could do things, but not enough surveillance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it was there was lots of it just, it's stuff the, going on. I think it's, it seems like the James Bond kind of era, uh-huh. right? The gadgets yes. that they actually use. Like, yes, you know I, I, that stuff happens now, but it's all. I feel like it's all you know a, a 
satellite. In a, yeah, in it's too easy. Like yeah. now, yeah. back then yeah, they had yeah. to work at it. Yeah, like exactly. they really was more discreet. Yeah. 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 Put in an umbrella and Samsung. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. If you haven't already, you should check out the book Bomber Mafia by Malcolm Gladwell because it's got so, some stuff that's oh, kind of like seen, that. Oh, I like his. But I mm. love that you mentioned that actually because I I listened to his podcast. Okay. And he did a podcast. Part of his podcast series was on the Bomber Mafia. So I haven't read the book yet, but Great. I did listen to the, the podcast okay. about it. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. At least the podcast was. So I'm mm-hmm. sure the book is even better. Yeah, I think you would like right. it. Okay. Well, we may have to edit some of this, but we'll figure it out. Like this. <laughs> well, <laughs> anywho, that, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Please check us out on social media. We're in all your usual places. And if you ever have a topic you'd like us to cover, feel free to email us at podcast at mentorgroup.com. Yeah, Whitney, thank you so much for chatting. And Caleb, thanks so much for joining us and, you know, helping break down what can be a pretty confusing topic. And thank you for listening. Catch us next time as we run with the bulls. Run with the Bulls is sponsored by Mentoro and hosted by Danny Kofke and Whitney Queen. Learn more by visiting mentorogroup.com.